Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. Hit subscribe and never miss an episode again. On today's show, will Liverpool endo their concerns in the middle of the park with a Japanese international? Manchester United are under fire for their delay to the decision over the future of Mason Greenwood. And Manchester City add yet another trophy to their cabinet by winning the UEFA Super Cup. My name's Niall, welcome to FSD and the usual suspects in the studio today. Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. All right, boys. We're both we're good. Hello. The weather's booming in Manchester today. Brought it back with you. I brought it back, of course. I have just haven't brought it back probably a future wife, I would say. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I thought it was a trip about culture and just oh, a bit of I'm time telling out. You now I saw. But now you're on the I hunt saw for a future several woman. several love of my life's out there, but unfortunately, <laughs> my Italian wasn't just up to scratch when I was out there for that kind of conversation what's your what's your pickup line have you got pick an italian line. have you got like a go-to italian pickup line because you do speak a bit of italian to be no, fair sometimes in life you don't need to speak sometimes <laughs> what, Jose says a thousand if, words. I speak, <laughs> if i speak if i speak if i speak they would be in trouble because it'd be game over as soon as they hear your voice they'll be like oh it's that bellend from football social <laughs> daily i'm not going out of him right then let's talk about the premier league transfer window because it seems to have been dominating the headlines over the last few days. Uh, Liverpool, of course, were pipped yesterday to the signing of Romeo Lavia and before that, Moises Caicedo. All we've been talking about on Football Social Daily the last few episodes, but it looks like they're going to turn to Germany and to Japan. And by that, I mean that they're looking to sign Wataru Endu, who is 30 years of age and the captain of Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. Clearly, Jurgen Klopp has links with Germany, so he, he must have some sort of attraction to this player to, to want to go and sign him. Still younger than Marley. 
<laughs> I was, I, w- I was going to say, what's wrong with being? I'd, I'd give a left <laughs> no, leg to be thirty. Listen, mate, you're at the end of your career, football-wise, <laughs> and it's only just beginning. Um, only just uh, starting to play Sunday league at thirty-one, and at thirty-two, I'm over the hill and far, far away down the other side of it. <laughs> I think I'm you're careering record- down the other side of it at a rate of knots. Your goal record last season maybe might have something to do with it. I don't know. X is Marley's <laughs> XG was insane last year. Hey, I got one. Got one. Uh, Expected Guinnesses. Got one, <laughs> got one two weeks ago. It was an absolute beauty and the camera wasn't rolling. Brilliant. Yeah. And right. Was it a friendly by any chance? Yeah, it was. There we yeah. go. Okay, let's move on to Endo anyway. Right, season yeah, starts, okay. season right. starts in September. Okay. Everyone's looking forward to me saying, I got 10 minutes this week. I've got 12 <laughs> minutes this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tally them up. See how many you get by the end of the season. Right, with Taro Endo, 33 appearances in the Bundesliga last season, five goals, four assists, and the man that Jurgen Klopp looks to be That's turning not bad to. For it's the Bundesliga. Uh, well, obviously Liverpool, not been put off by Navigator, haven't they? Honestly, don't get me started on Bundesliga signings. Um, he's what we'd like, like Graham Souness would like to call a steady Eddie, where he's been pretty good in the Bundesliga for Stuttgart. He was great for Japan in the World Cup, which ended up topping Germany and Spain when they got out of their group. I'm not a massive fan of basing players based on their international performances because... You know, you see your Hamas Rodriguez's, your Klebersons. doesn't make any difference how you play for your national team. It's all about competitive domestic football. But with this with this signing, I'm just I'm just so baffled with Liverpool this summer because they didn't go for Jude Bellingham because they didn't have enough money. They then lost Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. Okay, that was kind of a bit of a, a rogue wave and they made a lot of money from that. Then they put in a world a British record fee for Casado, then they ended up paying an extra 15 million in terms of a bid for Lavia which then got rejected because he wanted to go to Chelsea now they're going to a more kind of seasoned pro in Germany if that says that Liverpool do not have a plan this summer then I don't know what to say because they are all over the place I think Jurgen Klopp probably thought that he could get away with not having a defensive midfielder after mm. the Chelsea game I think he got exposed so badly that they've panicked and thought we have to get a defensive midfielder in. Well, I guess the point with Liverpool's midfield is Fabinho and Henderson both leave in the same window and maybe Liverpool weren't expecting that. But as Marley said on yesterday's show, when that cash comes in from Saudi Arabia, you kind of have to say, right, we're taking this. Because I think it's a good opportunity to solve another problem a year early, but it also gives Klopp a different problem in terms of finding someone to replace those two players. And Caicedo and Lavia, he would have definitely thought, Jurgen Klopp, that... Liverpool could have at least got one of those, Marley. And now that they've yeah, got definitely. none of those players, it leaves the barrel pretty empty in terms of what you've got to choose from. Yeah, and in terms of um, the barrel sort of being empty, I think they've they've obviously missed out on on the two main targets, which is Lavia and Caicedo. Um, but you, usually I, I always think there's not too many defensive midfielders that come around on the market that often. But this summer, the, there's been a lot. There's been them two we just mentioned. Tyler Adams is at um, Leeds still. Apparently his uh, 20 million contract um, clause has expired now, apparently. Um, there's also Jao Polina, who could be bought from Fulham, I think. Even though it'd be a, a big fee, I'd still think it's it's easy to go and take Fulham's players because Fulham, they're just, they're just not going anywhere. And also they're losing Mitrovic, apparently, to Saudi as well. So... I think he would be easy enough to buy if they, if you were willing to pay that money, which we know Liverpool are, because why would you bid 111 for Caicedo if you haven't got 60, 70 for Palinia? 
So there's him, and then there's um, Sofian Amrabat, who's out there as well, waiting for mm. a move. Looks like Man United have gone a bit cold on him. Um, I think he could be available for thirty odd million. Mm, definitely. And then all of a sudden they've gone gone for this endo guy. And I mean, the rumor started at eight o'clock last night, and by this morning, he's having a medical or something. So it's moved so quick. Mm. I don't know how twenty million quid as well, by the sounds of it. That's yeah, the fee. I mean, it's it's cheap, but it, it it's a short term fix because at thirty. You know how how many years have you got left in in a in a Liverpool shirt? I Says mean, the some more U-turns than me, the Conservative it, government in the last me, five minutes. For me, at Sunday League level, I never had a lot to give in the first place. So <laughs> you know, it's it's different when I'm trying to chase around twenty five year olds on a uh, on a pitch every Sunday. But yeah, it's um, I don't know. I don't know where the the where they've decided on this guy so quickly from. I don't know whether they've been watching him in the background or whatever. Um, but yeah, thirty years old. Is a short-term fix for for what Klopp is thinking is a short-term problem. Stuttgart finished in the because re- in the Bundesliga they have a playoff for the relegation, don't they? So the team yeah. that finishes in Stuttgart third, are rubbish. <laughs> they finished in that position yeah. and managed to stay up. Yeah. Um. But just looking at his statistics, he had the fourth most uh, duels won last season, the seventh most when it came to distance covered. So they're obviously looking at these kind of statistics and thinking he can fit the kind of Klopp style of play. He can come slot right in. And he's Japanese. I mean, if everyone's heard of the legend that is Kayu Yoshi Miura, who's the 57-year-old oh, yeah. Japanese player yep. in the uh, the Center Japanese forward, league. isn't he? Yeah. I mean, if he can last that long, that's, that's an investment in itself. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp still be managing, will he? At that point. <laughs> if they can get 27 years out of a 20 million pound player. That is an player, investment that's, and that's, half. What's that? It's less than a million pound so a year. My math says I think Jurgen Klopp will be 81 if he's still around at that point managing <laughs> that's, Liverpool. That's incredible. Um, but I've just had a look through some of the other targets that Liverpool have looked at. I actually mentioned to my friend who's a big Liverpool fan at the weekend that why don't they look at someone from Bayern Munich, someone like Gravenberch, for instance, because Bayern Munich were keen to let Marcel Sabitzer go to Manchester United on loan deal last season. Joshua Kimmich is also someone who's potentially on his way out of Bayern Munich, if you believe certain reports. But some of the names I've seen, Bubakar Kamara from Aston Villa and also Cech Ducore from Crystal Palace. So we're talking players that are in the Premier League already, one at Villa, one at Palace. Would that be a better shout? What do you think? No, because they're in the end of the transfer window now where teams are... Well, it's a seller's market when you get to this stage of the summer window, isn't it? They yeah. can't, they're not in a place to bargain where are Aston Villa especially, really going to Especially with go. Palace. Oh, yeah, like massively. Palace have already lost a hard. They're losing Elise. They're, they're not going to lose their next top talent, yeah. are they? They're going to demand 80-odd million for him because yeah. it's and the end of the season, at the end of the transfer window. Eze will go next summer as well. Yeah, he's looking incredible. That's why I had Palace to go down at the moment. But um, I think this signing kind of shows that they don't want to get desperate and pay these kind of fees for these players because their two top targets have gone to Chelsea. And I think they'd be kind of wrong to go for the likes of Kamara, the likes of Ducore. I just think it was, it just is panic. I think this is more of a sure fit. Go for your main target next summer and pay whatever you want to pay, 100 million for someone, fair enough. But I don't think they're in the right position now because their two top targets have gone. Mm, yeah, you mentioned Michael Elise there as well. I think that's another one, isn't it? On Chelsea's radar. Mm-hmm. So it's getting outrageous now from a Strange Chelsea perspective. That one. I, th- I think I think Eze is a better player than... Than Elise, well, to I think be honest. Manchester City are apparently 
keeping close tabs on Ibera Eze. So, mm. I mean, that would be a good fit, I think. I think he would work well at Manchester City. But Elise is a, a really impressive player. Actually spent a lot of time in the Chelsea Academy as a youngster before <laughs> going to Reading. Has. So Cobham, Cobham. Every, every single I young see, player yeah. from London has been in the Chelsea Academy at some point. Yeah, I did see a tweet yesterday saying 35 million for... For Elise to Chelsea seems like really good business until you realise that Elise was in the Chelsea Academy for seven years. <laughs> we all have. We all have been in Cobham for a some time period. Uh, Cobham Services. That's <laughs> the closest that I've ever got to Cobham. Um, right, that's it for the first part of Football Social Daily. I'm sure we'll talk about transfers more over the next few weeks, of course. Only a couple of weeks, actually. I say in the next few weeks. I think there's only... Uh, two weeks left until the end of the transfer window. Before we know it, everyone's business will have been done and dusted. But there's also a decision to be made at Manchester United, and that's over the future of Mason Greenwood. United released a statement yesterday, and they're under fire for it. We'll talk about it next. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast. I'm Niall. Joel and Marley are alongside me in the studio, as always. And about a month ago, we heard that Manchester United were keen to resolve the situation that they find themselves in with their striker, Mason Greenwood, before the start of the new campaign. They were said to have made a decision on his future before the Wolves game, but that decision has now been pushed back. It's a source of real controversy in the football world. Mason Greenwood, of course, was charged with attempted rape and the charges were dropped. So he never went to court for the case that was brought forward against him. And the football club did their own internal investigation, which is close to concluding. And here's what the statement read yesterday from Manchester United. Following the dropping of all charges against Mason Greenwood in February 2023, Manchester United has conducted a thorough investigation into the allegations made against him. This is drawn on extensive evidence and context not in the public domain, and we've heard from numerous people with direct involvement or knowledge of the case. 
Throughout this process, the welfare and perspective of the alleged victim has been central to the club's inquiries. We also have responsibilities to Mason as an employee, as a young person who has been with the club since the age of seven, and as a new father with a partner. The fact-finding phase of our investigation is now complete and we're in the final stages of making a decision on Mason's future. Contrary to media speculation, that decision has not yet been made and is currently the subject of an intensive internal deliberation. Responsibility ultimately rests with the CEO. Once made, the decision will be communicated and explained to the club's internal and external stakeholders. So that's a statement released yesterday. They've taken a long time with this investigation, Marley. We've spoken about it on this podcast before, what we think the decision should be from a Manchester United perspective. Mm-hmm. Eric Ten Hag has tried to distance himself from the situation by saying, ultimately, the decision won't be up to me. And that's clarified in this statement where it says that the CEO will make the decision. Why do you think they've delayed it? Because they said that they were going to make a decision before the Wolves game. The Wolves game has now passed. We're three or four days on from that moment. United have their second Premier League game of the season and still nobody's any clearer in terms of knowing what Mason Greenwood's future at Old Trafford will be? Well, you say it's not clear, but I, I think I think it is. I think this, this statement yesterday was a was a soft launch for he's coming back. We just, we're pushing it, we're kicking it down the can, kicking the can down the road because we're scared of the backlash. They know they're going to get backlash and that should lead them to the right decision, which is just sacking him. I think when, when the evidence is not out there you, there's some sort of mystery around what actually happened and you, and you never fully find it, fi- find out um like with the Benjamin Mendy case he was he was suspended for for you know two and a half years basically mm-hmm. and, and we as the public went Christ that must be bad but we never knew there was no evidence we couldn't see any evidence mm. whereas with Greenwood it's completely different the evidence is out there everybody's seen it everyone's read the transcripts seen the videos seen the pictures and it is it's cowardly and pathetic, I think, from Man United to to not only just refuse to, to, to just cut ties with him, mm. but also to then look at ways of bringing him back and then to mug off everybody by saying, we still haven't made a decision um, when you have, because there was there's reports from very reputable journalists that the internal communications went around Man United at the start of August saying that there's um, we're going to... Uh, work on a way of bringing him back in the coming weeks. That was meant to manifest itself into a statement before the Wolves game. They've now decided, um, they've plucked some idea out of the head that we're going to consult the women's team that are at the World Cup, which is just dragging them into it. They're trying to win a World Cup on the other side of the world. They've got their hands, you know, they've got enough on their mind. And they're now being used as a scapegoat as if, oh, well, if our women's team don't want to um aren't comfortable with it, with this then we'll um then we'll change our decision but we all know it's irrelevant what they think because if they come back and they all say we don't want this guy playing for the club that we represent they're going to go well he's coming back anyway we've, we've made the decision they're not going to change now it's like they've made the decision they're just too scared to reveal it they're not standing by it and i don't think they should they should stand by it. They should just come to the right decision, which is saying, do you know what, Mason? We know you're, you've been found, you know, the charges have been yeah. dropped. However, we don't want to take the chance on, on you. We feel the damage to our football club is has already been done. 
and the right thing is to let you go go and play somewhere else if you like but it's it's cowardly because they're they're scared of a talent going to another club and proving it at another club which this whole situation isn't about i think it's a huge backward step for football and he's going to be welcome back because he can kick a kick a bag of wind pretty good and i just think it's bigger than that i think the key word in that sentence there is welcome you say he's going to be welcome back. I'm not sure if he is. From the perspective of many Manchester United fans that I've spoken to, including yourself, Joe. Well, welcome back by the club, mm. not 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 the supporters, which is well, the thing that makes a club tick. Well, that's so. that's the point I was going to come on to, which yeah, yeah. is the supporters yeah. aren't going to be too happy about this. From my reading of the room, I'm not sure if you can shed any light on that, Joe, as a Manchester United supporter yourself. You've already sat here on Football Social Daily and said that you'd rather Mason Greenwood wasn't involved with the football club anymore. There's a huge disparity between Manchester United fans on social media and match-going fans. I think on, if you were to read the room on social media, you would think that Manchester United fans want him back in and they're welcoming him back with open arms and they think he should be given a second chance. Uh, whereas for match-going fans, including myself, I think it's just bringing the whole values of Manchester United and what it represents into such a poor position because I can only imagine if he was to be brought back, instead of the narrative around the game being around, you know, football, it'll be around Mason Greenwood today. The crowd would be getting on his back. He would get absolutely nailed by players when he plays against him. He would be the protagonist of every single football game. And it would just be incredibly toxic. And I'm surprised he would want to put himself in that position anyway, to be honest. Mm. It'd be absolutely volatile, completely. And for me... The worst part is, and I truly believe, I don't think if he if he came back, he'd even be half the same player that he was, and I don't think he'll ever become the player he could have been. And if that is to be the case, Manchester United look like absolute fools if he is to come back and he isn't half the player, and then they get rid of him next summer, and then all of that time is just for nothing, and the club will forever be tarnished. I just hate the fact that this decision has to fall on um, Richard Arnold, who is basically cut from the same cloth as Ed Woodward in terms of leave a fire, exit out of the back door, because he will be gone in the next six months when the takeover hopefully eventually happens, because any new owner is not going to want him to be reinstated as the um, chief executive. It's also, and I think it has to be mentioned, Eric Ten Hag as well. It doesn't show a great amount on him either, because if he really didn't want him in back in the squad, this wouldn't even be a discussion. They're yeah. not going to force a player but on in- Eric Ten Hag. They got rid of um, they got rid of Cristiano Ronaldo because of him. They got rid of Harry Maguire. Um, they got rid of uh, David De Gea because he didn't want him. So you're telling me they're going to force Mason Greenwood on his hands? No chance. And you know it's we've seen it at um, Ajax as well when Mark Overmars was sacked by Ajax yeah. due to inappropriate messaging, and Eric Ten Hag had very glowing words to say about him. It doesn't show great about mm. him as a man, in my opinion. I think your point about him being a half-decent player and therefore being welcomed, to use Marley's words, back into the Manchester United setup, is one of the most important things if we take the criminality aspect of this story out of it. Because Manchester United, under Eric Ten Hag, have not played a game in which Mason Greenwood has featured. They don't need him anymore. They've moved on without him. It's been, what, 18 months where Mason Greenwood hasn't played in the Premier League or first-team fixture for Manchester United? People have forgotten about Mason They're Greenwood. They're paying £85 million to replace him. There's not many times where I've seen anyone say, we really miss Mason Greenwood today. And that's not to denigrate his talents as a footballer and a footballer alone, rather than a person. I'm talking about his talent on the pitch. 
I think everyone knew what sort of a talent and prospect he could be. But in the last 18 months, I've not heard anyone say we really miss Mason Greenwood and we really need him back. And Manchester United finished in the top four last season and won a trophy without him. So my opinion would be, do Manchester United even need Mason Greenwood? Do they even need to put themselves in this situation? Could they have dealt that, with it better? That's why, the, that's why the decision is so... It's, it's right there. Just cut ties and move on. Like, if they bring him back, the sponsors have then got to say, are we happy with this? Well, they you can know? only tell after it happens. Exactly. So, so TeamViewer, you can guarantee <laughs> TeamViewer, as the shirt sponsor, have gone, if they bring him back, what do we do? Mm. Well, Manchester United, they say that they've been privy to evidence and context which is not in the public domain. But it's the evidence that's in the public domain that's the problem. That's what's causing and all of the... they've caused exactly. it partial evidence. Mm. It's partial evidence, but it's the evidence that is going to absolutely sway public opinion. It's the one that we've all seen, we've all heard. Yeah. Granted, he's not been convicted, and I totally understand that point of it where they have to treat him as an employee, etc. But it doesn't also necessarily mean you have to cling on to him like he's the next messiah. Yeah. We've lost bigger players in the past and we'll lose bigger players in him in the future. Let him be... This is the bottom line. He should continue playing football. I've got no problem with that, but not at a club like United that represents what it represents, with mm-hmm. the fan base it represents, how big it is. Why should we ruin this harmony and this good feeling factor for a guy like, like Niall said? We've literally replaced him with Anthony. They paid mm-hmm. 85 million. If Mason Greenwood didn't, if this issue in this situation didn't happen, we wouldn't have signed Anthony and Mason Green would still be in the team. Anthony, there's Sancho, there's Hoyland. Yeah, it's been a big... There's the, Mount. That, that's, there's, the team's moved on. There's Garnacho's Garnacho's came come through. through yeah. exactly, we, we've yeah. moved on. It's not like... It's, it's, it's not, not like losing out a, Messi. We're not losing yeah. Messi. We're losing someone yeah, yeah. who we don't even know what his potential is yet. Yeah. He might come back and be absolutely terrible. And listen, 18 months is a long time to, to not be out even of top be training with yeah. the first team. Yeah. 100%. And this is what I'm saying. It's not even a given that he's going to reach those levels again. And then yeah. what happens? He doesn't reach those levels and then Manchester United as a club looks absolutely foolish because they've battled his corner to try and bring him back mm-hmm. and then suddenly he's not at the required level anymore so now we don't even need him. Yeah. It's You know what? Sometimes I really hate football because I was speaking to Marley before in the office and when I was younger I used to look up to footballers like they were gods mm. but I just realised that we're all just as flawed as each other in terms of when you give players a lot of money and a lot of power early on it really does I'm not saying for all of them but they're just as flawed human beings as the rest of us and that's the big issue that we have here they're defending someone who is in my opinion indefensible yeah. yeah and for match going fans in my opinion if you were to say to me if Mason Greenwood scores a goal for my club are you going to celebrate it? I've got a little. I've got two little sisters at home. Mm-hmm. I've got lots of females in my family and in my life. Yeah. Like I see it from that perspective. Football for me doesn't blur the line anymore. Like I have my morals and my values, whereas I feel like for other people, football almost blurs their morality and what they think is right. Whereas if you were to put them in the position of, you know, the the victim. I think they would have a different view. So for me personally, it's just, it's such a bad taste. Final part of today's FSD. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. We are into the start of the Premier League season. 2023-24 is here. And so we'll have more episodes for you as the weeks tick on. 
hitting subscribe or follow is the best way to stay in the loop, so make sure you do that. But now on Football Social Daily, we're going to be talking about Manchester City winning yet another trophy. I'll be honest, I didn't see the UEFA Super Cup game last night between... Did anyone know it was on? I think I mentioned it briefly yesterday <laughs> on the podcast, but I didn't watch it between Sevilla and Manchester City. It was a close game, went to penalties, Man City won 5-4, but it's another trophy. How do you think they're going to get on this season, Joel, Manchester City, in terms of some of the challenges that they face? One of them will be the Club World Cup, and I know it's not until December, mm. but we've seen sides go off to whatever corner of the world it is to compete in the Club World Cup after they've won the Champions League and maybe find it slightly tough to adjust back to Premier League life with that change of schedule in the middle of the winter. I think for City, I watched um, quite a big chunk of the game yesterday and I've realised that they are lacking so, so much potency and directness in attack after Riyad Mahrez has left. And that's the reason they're being linked with the likes of uh, Jeremy Doku. Um, they were linked with Michael Elise. They need someone who can beat a man one-on-one like what Riyad Mahrez did. And when I watched the game yesterday, you know, Phil Foden, he looked completely off it. Uh, Cole Palmer was a bit of a brighter spark in the side. Obviously, they've lost Kevin De Bruyne, and you can really tell in terms of the um, in terms of the chances created, it really did dry up. And, you know, for City, I think the De Bruyne injuries come at the perfect time, to be honest, because they don't usually kick in until after Christmas time anyway, where they usually go on that 20-match winning streak and then just absolutely blitz everyone. But I still think there's a lot of work to be done at Manchester City in the next two weeks. And you can tell by the links that, the, that they've been having in the transfer window. But in terms of these games, I mean, the Super Cup is, a, I guess, a tier ahead of the Community Shield, where you have to obviously win a big trophy to actually get into it. Um, and, you know, the Club World Cup's a great one to win if you want that nice little shiny hmm. gold badge on the kit, which always looks really nice. But, yeah, you, th- this is the price you pay for winning trophies and they have to do it. But I still think they're lacking in l- especially the attacking areas, which I didn't think I would say, considering they have a guy who just scored 50 goals in the, in all competitions last year in, in, in early Haaland. Well, one thing that Manchester City might struggle with is the absence of Kevin De Bruyne. And yesterday on the podcast, we spoke about the best midfields in the league, Marley, and we all agreed that Manchester City do have the top Premier League midfield. But might that be one player light? Because Kevin De Bruyne has not started uh, the season as he would have liked due to a knock, which perhaps was picked up in the Burnley game on that first Friday night of the season. They won 3-0, of course, but... It's not quite been the fluid start to the season that KDB or Manchester City would have wanted. No, it's not. And um, I'm I'm very glad Newcastle get them this weekend because um, you don't want to play Man City when they're in fourth or fifth gear. You want to get them as they're coming off the driveway in first type of thing. And I think that's exactly what they are at the minute. They don't they don't click early in the season. We all know they're going to come good at the end and, and murder everyone from Christmas onwards. But until then... They haven't looked quite at it just yet. They were good against Burnley, but it was Burnley. Sevilla aren't an incredible team, but they give them plenty of problems. They should have been out of sight. And and Naziri missed a sitter (laughs) to make it 2-0 just after half-time. And I'm I'm thinking that would have been the game, really, you would would expect. Um, But yeah, they're, they're, they're missing something at the minute. De Bruyne is obviously a huge loss, and so now they've got Gundogan and De Bruyne gone for until Christmas. They've got a big question in that midfield now. We talked about it yesterday. I think Rodri is the best in the world in his position. However, who do you play alongside him? Do you play? Do you do you trust Foden to affect the game in the middle? 
Does Calvin Phillips finally get a start? 50 million quid. Pep seems to hate him. <laughs> I don't understand why he's there, to be honest. Um, do they go into the transfer market and, and make a move for Paqueta? Because now he's got in three months of solid first team um, football if they decide to splash out on him. Um, so there's questions over Man City at the minute, I suppose. But we know they're going to solve them eventually. It's just a case of when, I think. But yeah, last night they, they struggled and the one thing you probably don't expect from Man City is them to win a penalty shootout and that's what they've they've managed to do because they've had troubles with penalties for years and years and they've ended up putting five out of five in and nicking the uh, the trophy from Sevilla. But yeah, there's question marks over them so far. Why do you think Manchester City start season slowly under Pep Guardiola? It seems to happen every campaign where even if it's the Community Shield or whatever and maybe that's not the case now since Erling Haaland's come to the club. But it just seems like the first couple of weeks or month or so of the season they're just not quite at it is it a knock-on effect from the summer and the intensity of the way Pep Guardiola likes to play what do you think it is because it seems to happen a lot for Man City it's funny because we're talking about this but they've won two out of two technically it's not chaos I feel like Pep just has a radical plan every summer we saw it last year obviously I think last year was the biggest one because obviously they had Haaland coming in and everyone was almost thinking, well, now he's got a target, man. Is How's the team going to work? And then they brought that 2-3-3-1-2-3 formation in and everyone was thinking, what the hell is this? And it ended up becoming so, so fluid and really impressive on the eye. Now they've got a different kind of problem, which is solving, like Marley said, the midfield issues, got a new personnel in. Kovacic is a very different player to who uh, Gundogan was. They've obviously got a big... Gap, gaping hole in terms of uh, Riyad Mahrez not being there so now he's, he's basically Pep Guardiola he almost has to solve problems at the start of this season because of changes that they made in the summer they always have big personnel going out where Raheem Sterling went last year Gabriel Jesus went last year now this season they've had uh, a few really big outgoings and they almost just have to readapt obviously even Guardiola he's another one he looked quite slow off the mark yesterday He's going to take time to adapt to Guardiola's team. So I feel like it's almost just a new adaptation period for a Guardiola team every single year. And I'm sure after winning a treble as well, it's going to be difficult to get going again. But I mean, like we always see every single season, we say, oh, City, look off it. They get beat by Spurs away. Oh, City are going to end up getting finished this season. And then post-January, Ivan Drago comes out and they end up boxing everyone's heads off. I reckon you mention Ivan Drago at least once an episode. They are literally, they are literally, <laughs> yeah, aren't they? Honestly, I reckon, With a lot genuinely, of um, Manchester City are one hell of a footballing team, though, and another trophy to go into their trophy cabinet. I think that'll do us for today's Football Social Daily. We'll be back with a swift episode for you tomorrow, not looking ahead to the weekend's action, but we will bring you a bit of fun. We'll have a bit of a quiz and we might start doing that on Fridays going forward. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that episode or follow on whatever podcast platform it might be. It's really helpful for us as well if you guys hit follow. And that way too, you'll be notified as soon as a new episode is released. But from myself, Marley and Joel, that is it. We'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.